0: and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about flames, flames, flames on the sides of my face. Flay- I don't quite know the phrase. I think I'm doing it correctly, but either way, you get the gist. This is This is the episode we have to talk about. The I don't want to talk about it.
1: The curse is here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Grumpy here. should have been at the beginning of this episode <laughs> to warn us about this episode.
1: Oh my God. I so I we both we we've been talking about it for the last couple of episodes. We knew about it coming into season four. We've been talking about it. I can genuinely say, after Beth and I talked about it, and I'm sure some of you have seen that we were tweeting about it, it was so much worse than we remember. And it's just guys, this episode's so bad in in fundamental storytelling ways but also just for what that story then is. So it's
0: just, oh. I feel like, I don't feel like I'm out of line for saying this. Up until this point, I believe this is the most insulting episode of Once Upon a Time. It's it not necessarily the worst, but in terms of like, because there have been a lot worse in terms of just being really bad episodes and oh, yeah. ridiculous bad. This is insulting. Oh, listen,
1: there's bad episodes and we've joked about it. And bad is bad. You know, bad is like the, the 90s way. It means good. Like it turns itself around. Sometimes it's campy. This was just bad writing. This was just a bad idea. I don't know why. I, at some point, I, I Beth and I were texting for the better part of an hour and a half in all capital letters. It never stopped. Mm-hmm. And the part that got me the most is the one big scene where they realize that there's a baby in the egg I don't know what show I was watching at that moment. It, it wasn't once upon a time. it was it was like a HBO or scary I don't the tone was so wrong and there is no levity in this storyline to be gleaned. I, if you want to do dark uh, like fairy tales and stuff like that, that's fine, but this was not the energy we led up
0: to this episode with at all. No, and it's not the yeah. energy we should have left with. No. Because this was season four, episode 17, Best Laid Plans, which that title is the uh, most lighthearted thing about it because it's a pun because it's an egg with a baby inside. Uh, this was written by Jane Espenson. Oh, and Jane, no. Uh Kalinda <laughs> Vasquez. I point that out because two women wrote this episode, and I was frankly extremely surprised. Uh, and directed by Ron Underwood, uh, and all of them should feel shame to the ends of the earth. Also, I love you and I'm proud of your guys' work, but for this episode feel shame because this was a mistake.
1: Listen, on this humanity. is this is that thing that we have to learn that it's it's like the Bechtel test. Passing the Bechtel test does not mean what you've created is good. It means you've just bet the bare minimum. So, very excited to have these like people that we really like writing it, but you guys wow, wow. The swing and a miss. It's like you like you took a swing, you missed so hard, but you were playing football so why did you have the badge it's very confusing uh because this was and you're right it's insulting i'm going to use the word egregious because they put it in a part of the timeline that if you if we watched all of this in order none of it would make sense oh absolutely Not a single so, bit of it
0: before we dive into this episode uh two bits of information Uh, one is a good thing. Uh, the only good thing about this episode are the international titles. So I'm going to start those off. So we have, we we get a little bit of that high before we go down low. Uh, there's some really good ones in, uh, in French, we have the unicorn, which I like because the unicorn is the unicorn in Italian. We have actions and reactions. Uh, in Finnish, we have better off with a lie, which is just intense
1: we know German. where they land. We
0: know where they stand in this whole thing. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's t- it's just spoiling the whole episode, which is fine. <laughs> then we wouldn't have had to watch it. And then finally, German running it out of the park again with fear the good intention.
1: Ooh.
0: Which is like, whoever's doing the German subtitles was like, I got the subtext. The subtext is bad. I'm going to make it pure text.
1: Here you go. This, this episode... that German title blows my mind because that's exactly what it is. It's just, so what is it? The road to hell is lined with good intentions or good deeds or whatever it is. That's this episode. This is their road to hell, but then we don't actually go, we don't go there yet. Uh, We go there Uh -uh. for different reasons later. Uh, Which by the way, (laughs) I got jump scared by Hades. My husband has been turning on the show Eureka. He's just like keeps it on like his background, like while he does stuff. And the guy that plays him is in that. And I like walked out of the kitchen. I was like, duh, duh, duh. ah, oh,
0: it's Hades. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, Abby. You're, you're safe for at least another half season. You're, you're still safe. And the other thing I want to point out, because we are going to start in the past, and this is a point I want to make very clear at the outset, because this is something infuriated me. Um, So on Twitter, Jane Espenson was specifically asked about, um, someone said that they were disappointed because the episode made it seem like Snow and Charming had been manipulated by the author to do what they did, which was something that very much angered me, because I'm like, oh, now you're saying they're not responsible. You're taking that choice away from them, and you're trying to keep their their goodness that the author was manipulating them. According to Jane Espenson, she says, no, The Apprentice was being controlled by the author. Snow and Charming were not. They still made that choice. And she wrote, they are very much responsible, end quote. And I just want us to keep that in mind as we go through this episode, because there's a lot of stuff about free will, good and evil, um, you know, nature versus nurture. A lot of that's explored in here, and it's very bad. But I want to make it clear that that's the place we're coming from is Snow and Charming are still very much within their own faculties, according to Jane Espenson. That said, she wouldn't have had to explain that if they didn't do such a poor job in the episode
1: yeah i agree um uh yeah so yeah we're gonna start in the past guys uh we're gonna talk about the maleficent little arc i'm not gonna lie to you i'm gonna try to keep this short because we all know what happens and i don't want to get too deep in a my own thoughts (laughs) because they get weird uh but we'll just kind of
0: explain what's going on and i will Uh, say abby i'm just gonna say that's Famous last words. Oh, listen. Both Beth and I have wine. Uh, Yes. (laughs) We we, (laughs) we literally were texting each other, we have bottles ready. Let's do it. We have to get through this somehow. Which is the
1: other reason we're starting with the past up front. Uh, We don't want to be our full glasses in uh, Mm -hmm. when we start talking about this. So um, I'm just going to lead off and say that I... One of the things that enrages me the most about this is that the fact that it kicks the, the timeline in a weird way and the way that they had to wrap it up is what makes me probably the angriest. So we'll just start uh, Snow and Charming just like do, do, doing through the woods. And they want to go find... They I thought, Snow's leading them to a unicorn. This poor unicorn. This unicorn did nothing wrong. And it's making enemies for life. <laughs> and it's just standing it's Making there. enemies of royalty i know so much so i love snow's meltdown later it's got unicorns um <laughs> it's the unicorn's fault and they're like oh well we touch the horn and the horn will show us our future you know famous things we know about unicorns i what is this okay so they both they put their gloved hands on the unicorn i I have been laughing about the fact that the dual visions that they saw exemplify these characters so well. <laughs> Charming sees a brand new baby wrapped up in a little basket, is already crying hysterically. I loved it. And he's like, it's fine. It's fine. Our baby's fine. He's She's healthy. She's amazing. Everything's going to be fine. Because Charming sees a baby and it's fine. He knows nothing else. Snow, on the other hand, gets this very visceral image of... Young teenage Emma ripping her heart out and crushing it in front of her. Ripping Snow's heart out and crushing it in front of her. Again, Charming is such like a bad dad that he has that like, I have a baby! I did it! I'm a I'm a man! I have a baby! And then that's it. That is, gloves are off for him. He doesn't need to do anything else. He's just a dad who's got a healthy boy. Or a healthy uh, baby.
0: Done. And I love how Snow, even though she clearly sees a daughter, continually refers to the baby as an it, because Charming in the timeline cannot know that it's a girl yet. This is, I believe this is the first time Snow finds out that she's having a daughter, and she chooses not to tell Charming until... till the the night before the curse when he's like we're having a boy and, and then rumble's like ha sc- ha yeah, jokes on you i know you're having a girl and snows known for since before she was starting to show which okay that makes sense but i i'm sorry it just makes me laugh
1: um so snow won't tell charming what she saw which i'm wondering if when they shot this if they knew like you know what I mean? Like if they mm-hmm. shot this, and we're just like, I don't know, something weird's gonna happen to her. Who knows? So then they start walking, and they find this guy who's struggling with his cart. And the guy's like, "Oh man, you can't go over there, because Maleficent took over, and she turned into a big dragon and laid an egg, and then like lit everything on fire uh, to lay her claim to the area. So you can't go that way. You're gonna need to go that way." He's like, "Oh my, through through the endless forest? Yes." But what you're going to need to do, and this spoke to the Midwestern part of me because he started giving Midwestern directions. <laughs> uh, all right, here's what you're going to do. All right, you're going to go down here. You're going to see a barn. You're going to keep going. But if you see a second barn, you've gone too far. So you're going to need to come back. And you're going to see a pine tree, a big one. Like, you've never seen a pine tree this big in your life. And you're going to turn left. And you're going to see a shack with a guy in it. That guy's going to be able to help you. His name's Buddy Amazing. Makes the best sausage around. He and they're like, sure, cool. Guess that's great. Also, they give him, uh, brandy. Like he like lets him have the bottle, which yeah. like, don't give someone your
0: flask. What the hell, dude? <laughs> Just it's 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 a plot. It's it's a magic brandy MacGuffin. I um, guess. Yeah, I hope they run into Hansel and Gretel somewhere in that infinite forest because they've been wandering there for months. <sighs> so then
1: they 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 go and they. They find the cottage and, ah, it's the apprentice. Your apprentice is like, oh, I knew you'd show up. I sensed you coming, which is just such like a psychic <laughs> in a strip mall kind of thing. I knew you'd come. I sensed it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm here. Of course you sensed it. I'm here. They're like, oh, well, so my baby, mm-hmm, evil, not happy about it. What do I do? He's just like, oh, there's this magic spell I can do where I can transfer your baby's like kinetic evil energy (laughs) into another baby because something something clean slate, which he kept saying clean slate. And it triggered this weird Joss Whedon part of my brain because that's Joss Whedon's big thing is clean slates. And I forget what the phrase is. There's like a fancy phrase that he
0: uses for it. So, is it Tabula Rasa? Probably. I think yeah. that was the I whole mean, considering this is Jane Espenson, Dollhouse. not really surprising. Yeah.
1: So he's like, yeah, you just have to find, like, another vessel. Okay. So then here's the first leap in logic, okay? The first thing that they think about, Maleficent's egg. And they're like, oh, well, obviously we're going to do that. We don't – here's where my brain was – you don't know what's being harbored in that child. don't? Are they switching? Are they having a freaky Friday? Are you putting more evil into your own child? I also don't understand what they transferred out. Because again, the nature versus nurture conversation that we'll get into later. And they're like, yeah, they can't think of another thing. They assume it is an animal.
0: They assume that it is a dragon baby. Right. Well, no, they assume that it can go back and forth, that it's a dragon. It's like a shapeshifter. A shapeshifter. Okay. So let's actually talk about the nature versus nurture thing now, because this is where the apprentice talks about it, and I'm mad. I'm so mad, because they do it so wrong in so many ways. They And the way they do it breaks their own... Snow and Charming break their own logic or have to ignore the evidence right in front of them, because what the apprentice does is like, he says, hey, when you're a baby... You're clean slate, tabula rasa. You're not good or evil. Then, as you get older, the goodness or evil kind of like, you know, it's a tipping scale. You go one, you go the other. It doesn't matter. But as a baby, neutral, neutral zone. All babies, neutral zone. And so, if you're going to the nature versus nurture argument, it's definitely more of a nurture one. Then the apprentice says, well... Actually, there's also this thing called the potential for evil. I can remove that and send it into this baby or send it to another vessel. So that vessel is, I guess, going to have double evil potential or something. Like, it doesn't make sense. But then the thing that really grates me during this conversation is Snow and Charming immediately go to Maleficent's child. And they're like, well... It's probably evil anyway, so what difference does it make? What did the apprentice just tell you? <laughs> he just told you all babies are a neutral zone. And then they become evil. So, like, they just gloss over everything the apprentice told them. And they're like, well, the baby's probably already evil before it's even born. <laughs> I'm already
1: flailing my arms. Yeah, because they explain it and they do this with Emma later where they're talking about her potential for energy, her, or her potential for evil. I keep saying potential energy, kinetic. Um, and that doesn't make sense to me because it's just like, given, I, there's all these stats about it. But it's just like, given the right circumstances, people will do certain things. Like, you can't just be like, oh, she's got potential. It's like, everyone does. Everyone has a breaking point. It's just whether you know it or not and trying to break emo shouldn't they have been trying to do that from the beginning whatever so they're going to then they even say it before they go and take kids <laughs> they're just like oh well you can you can imagine how terrible that would be so let's the way that i had to finally imagine it is they're talking about jars okay like it's a clean mm-hmm. slate but like the jar that you can fill evil into is like a certain size but like Emma's is pretty big But then, like, the sorcerer just, like, takes away her jar and gives her, like, a little half-pint jar. It's like, that's just (laughs) a little guy. But we just, then we make Maleficent's baby Lily. We give her a big (laughs) 55-gallon. All of the evil energy could go into this. It will be radioactive. So they go and they steal. I hate this whole scene because, again, none of this lines up with any of the characters. And this, I will say, is what makes me so angry is that Maleficent just stands there and watches them. Take the egg. I. She just stands there. Everything we know about Maleficent, she wouldn't do this. No, Even, she'd fight uh,
0: like hell. She
1: would fight. Anyone would. Like, this is why, and again, disappointed in, in female writers not understanding this quite as much as the, the instinct to protect goes above... A level of understanding that any normal person has. Maleficent would exceed that. She would have a 55 gallon drum of potential protection energy. And just, she just stands there. And so it's like, we'll bring her right back.
0: It's just slightly way more evil potential. Yeah, like it's fine. We're taking her for a project. It's fine. Don't shh. Well, I, I personally feel the reason that they had Maleficent act the way she did hair down. In, a, in her dragon knighty, just pleading with them for her baby, which, by the way, was heartbreaking. Don't get me wrong. The reason they did that is because they would not be able to, they didn't know, actually not be able to, they didn't know how to portray Maleficent fighting for her child as not a villain move. Like, that's the problem, is that you can have her fighting tooth and nail, dragon tooth and dragon nail, to protect her baby as a parent would, as a mother would. But they don't know how to do that because they just write her as a villain and they've written themselves into a corner. So if she's using her fire, it's because she's evil Maleficent. If she's using her staff, it's evil Maleficent. They don't know how to portray that. So they just don't bother. So they're like, oh, what's the easiest coded way we can say she's a good person in the situation? Oh, she's just nurturing and sad. Yeah, and she's, she's like, just please, like no, please, 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 no. no! I'm gonna, I'm gonna claw your face yeah. off, Snow White. Yeah. No, you have no face. I'm going to follow you. Why wouldn't she have followed them? Yeah, they don't have magic. They didn't transport.
1: I, they don't have a so portal. Beam. They get, they leave because they've also like, a uh, knockout gassed Ursula and Cruella, who are also there for some reason. They do the magic. Uh, This is me breathing. (laughs) Um, And so they get back to the sorcerer. And the sorcerer starts. (laughs) This is my favorite part. With everything that Charming and Snow know. As people. Up until this point. Like at this point she has been put under a curse by Regina. Charming had to save her. All of the other crazy stuff has happened. And they're still like. Hey I just met this guy five minutes ago. Seems super chill. We're going to steal a baby. And bring it over here. A baby, again, I would like to very much stress before we get into this scene. As Beth said, they believe it is a shape-shifting child. It will be a dragon person thing. I, okay. <clears throat> so, he starts making his magic seance thing, and it's full of all this like weird coded language that even Charmy's like, wait, What? other lands a curse a a realm what's going on and then like the ground opens up out of nowhere cruel and ursula are like tackling them like what have you done it's like the sorcerer's just like you can't bring this evil thing into this world how evil was emma gonna be holy shit and they just like they banish this baby, and as it's happening, and this is this this is like the weird Stranger's thing moment, or Stranger Thing moment that this episode have, where this baby's about to go into the upside down punches. Oh, I love this child! I, spoiler alert, guys, we don't get enough of this child. I wanted more punches through the egg, and there's this little baby grabby hand, and it's like, oh my god, it's a baby. Snow, Snow says so much dumb shit in this episode. It <laughs> makes me want to throw things. But she's like, oh my god, what have we done? And it's like, you met this dude six seconds ago. You gave them an egg, bor- born like as a dragon, but still as a person you know to be a per- like a human being. And you're surprised that a little grubby grabber of a baby came out?
0: He Get- never even told them his name. He could be Rumple in disguise they never asked. He could just be literally anyone. It's like
1: Regina tricking her. It's anything. And so this baby gets banished and then Snow's like, we told her we'd bring her back. Oh, I'm a monster.
0: Yeah, you are. And then that's just like the end of that yeah, and Ursula and, and Cruella get sucked in, too, and that's how they're in the real world, Oh no! Oh, good, we've tried all that with a neat
1: little bow. No one will have a damn question about it. Perfect. My God. So then we, like, smash cut to them doing Emma's baby room. <laughs> no, with her long hair, just like, Meh, unicorns, I hate them. Meh. It's like, take them out. How dare she do this to me? And, and then this might be the most rage-inducing part. Because I know that you tweeted about the one line, but everything Charming is saying angered me to my core. Because the actual thing that they should be saying and doing was, we need to find this child because we are heroes. This child should not have been banished on our watch. We need to find it. Yeah, They should have been spending this whole time trying to find this child. Because they are heroes, which is what Charming keeps saying to the point where I was physically angry. And he's just like, oh, well, we'll just like, <laughs> we're just going to like project kindness. <laughs> and do good things for other people we like more. And, and that is how we will redeem ourselves. Like, she's like, how is there redemption from this? And he's like, we're super chill. So we'll just be super chill and everyone else will be super chill. It's fine. And we'll never talk about it again. And that's where, like, that's just it. It's just like, okay. And then, like, five days later, she's going to give birth and the cabinet's going to exist. Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense how they rationalize it. It doesn't make sense that they don't do other things to fix it. It doesn't make sense that Maleficent does not burn that whole castle to the ground.
0: Yeah, like, we never... Like, they just don't see her. But but we see her later, and she's just super depressed in her house, which, understandable.
1: Yeah, you're but, super uh, depressed after
0: you've burned the castle. T- <laughs> like, and Charming had the audacity to say that maybe Maleficent deserved it. And it's said with a straight face. It's not said under the desperate guise of a man desperately trying to justify his horrible choices he's speaking in hero talk to com- com- comfort snow i don't think he feels he did anything wrong no no
1: charming never does like he he charming rarely feels guilt uh because he is a hero so if he does things it is a heroic thing he Charming, very simple. Charming have two brain cells rub together sometime thought happened. Like, that's all it is. Like, Snow is making sense sometimes when she speaks. But to have her being brought around by Charming's, quite frankly, gaslighting of the situation of being like, well, maybe she deserved it. She was doing nothing. She was minding her business. Nothing happened. She did nothing to you to deserve you to take the egg. Not a single thing. She didn't deserve you showing up and laying a single finger on that egg. Not a damn. You don't touch other people's children. You certainly don't grab them and run with them and banish them to another
0: world. And again, it's just bad story. It is. And I think one of the things that angers me is like this thing that Snow, like Snow is mad only about part of it. She is mad that they got tricked and that the child got sent away. Which, yes, you should be mad about that. But she should be mad about the fact that she was dooming. It doesn't even matter that she found out it was a baby. She was dooming a creature, a child, a person's child, to potential for evil just to save her own kid. Like, she should be mad about plan A to plan Z. Every step of the plan is a bad thing. But it sound, It feels like it was only at the very tail end when she realized the consequences of her actions is when she started feeling bad.
1: See, and this is why in a lot of shows, especially ones that deal with magic, they usually leave stuff like this as like a hard stop. Because, first of all, I'm going to speak as someone who was at one point pregnant, and I'm sure that you will probably... Do you ever just like have a fear that you were going to like give birth to a litter of kittens or there's a line. I don't remember what the line was. It was a line from a TV show. And I think about it all the time. It's like, what if I give birth and it's just wrapped up in all of the gum I've ever swallowed. And it's just like, <laughs> as, a, as, as, as a, a mom, as a mother, you're always worried about the potential of your kid, especially as a, as a, as a white lady here who listens to too many podcasts. And they're like, and that's when the mother tipped Jeffrey Dahmer the wrong way. And you're like, great. I'm going to do one wrong thing and I'm going to be blamed for this forever. You shouldn't allow magic to be part of that because it would just be a never ending cycle of people like transferring all of the bad juju to somebody else. Like it would just be an endless cycle of pregnant women doing like, I need you to cast a spell to make my kid the president of the world. I, It's just introducing this makes it weird it makes it weird, makes it unbalanced. The magic has become unstable, unbalanced.
0: And it's... I'm just mad about it. There's nothing wrong with adding darkness to your narrative. It's what they did with Peter Pan. And upon re-watching, I feel like there were things we really liked about it and felt were, you know, challenging for Once Upon a Time, a very silly show, but worked. But then they kind of did a overcorrection with frozen kind of embrace the silliness and then they go hard, hard stop into the darkest thing they've ever done. Likely the darkest thing they'll ever do darker than dark swan. And they don't understand how badly they are messing it up. And you're right. And I think what, I think what
1: is what's making us the maddest Ready for this? The potential. When we first watched it, there was such a potential for darkness for what they were about to lead into. Because this this could have backslid really hard into like Charming and Snow doing like an evil arc. And trying to redeem themselves because now Maleficent's here and doing all this stuff. Like trying to redeem themselves in the eyes of Emma. This storyline basically dies. Like it does not follow us for the rest of the seasons. This kind of thing should follow them. Like, this is a bad thing that you never stop bringing up at Thanksgiving dinner with your family. (laughs) Just like, hey, can you pass the peas? Yeah, I don't know. I hope you don't banish my child away forever if I don't. Like, knowing that they don't do what they... Like, if you're going to go that hard into the darkness, you have to keep up that pace. You can't just be like, oh, JK, never mind.
0: Well, yeah, like, if you want to compare to, for example, Buffy the Vampire Slayer which Jane Espenson was a key player on, they did that, especially in later seasons. You had Buffy come, you know, she was brought back from heaven and she was really like, she spent all of season six extremely depressed. And, and Willow who brought her back thinking she was like in a hell dimension had to live with that guilt for several episodes. And in some ways she never got over it because She brought her friend back from paradise and brought her back to a world she didn't want to be in anymore. Like, that's how you handle a storyline like that. A morally complex storyline where you're doing something with good intent, with what you think are good intentions, but you're doing the wrong thing and it's impacting other people in a very bad way. Yeah. But this show doesn't know how to do it. It also doesn't know how to talk about it because all Charming and Snow do is have the same conversation over and over again. But that's kind of what every character is doing right now. So, and and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this
1: as we kind of like crest out of this. The hero's villain narrative that is being sewn through this is somehow the most annoying part. Because I hate that they just could be like, that's what heroes do. That's what heroes do. Oh, I'm a villain. I'm a villain. This is what villains do. And it's like, you guys tried to establish like a gray area. And now you've gone full, like, I mean, the joke is Sith Lord, you know, he deals in absolutes. But like, so do the Jedi. Like, it's just like, they're both over here and you're not allowing anyone to exist in the middle. Doing this storyline with Charming and Snow should have put them squarely in the middle. They're not heroes. They're not villains. They're just normal shithead people. Like I, you can't be a hero. Like I, I'll just say it. After what they pulled, they're not heroes. This, they did not do something heroic. They did something selfish. I love that Snow says they did something brave. What?
0: Which part of that was brave? Please, <laughs> Beth. What part was brave?
1: Please. I mean, as Cer-
0: Sarah Brellis once said, "I want to see you be brave." And why not
1: all, I also want to see them be brave because none of it was. She's like, we were brave, but we were not kind. Is that
0: how you saw that situation? Is that how you saw that interaction? Mm. No that no, that was the most cowardly thing you could do <sighs> because you didn't trust yourself as parents and you didn't trust your child. And it also again, flies in the face of the whole argument the sorcerer's apprentice gives them, which is that, Evil is not something you're born with. It's something that that comes from your decisions. Evil's not born; it's made. Let's just throw this down a well, and and be done with it forever. <laughs> Maybe she's not. born with it, Beth. <laughs> Maybe it's just the potential for energy. It's <laughs> the potential for
1: darkness. I just, yeah, like I I love it where he's like, <sighs> "Good, we have rid your your child of this." Uh, We've rid your child of this. Now make sure you raise them correctly so that they also still don't. And I that's such a sucker punch. Hey, mm-hmm. you just did the worst thing you've ever done in your world. It could still happen. I've just lowered the percentage by like one. Um and and the only other thing I'll say before we finish with the storyline because I know it comes back in the present. It's so funny to see a show written before there was a big conversation about pronouns. Because, like you said, they keep calling. If it's like, well, we can't say it's he or a she. What will we call? I know it. It's like (laughs) Maleficent does it. Snow and Charming do it. It's like, stop it, (laughs)
0: stop it. Yeah, no. This this was a uh, yeah. Anyway, but 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 I also know that Snow and Charming definitely wanted to dehumanize Maleficent's baby. But it's it's also no excuse for that, and it's no excuse for their own. Even if you're like
1: stealing someone's dog. To, like, take the evil out of your kid, but then, like, make someone else's dog evil. Like, if it's an animal, it's still a super shitty thing to do. And just bad parenting all around. The
0: end. Oh. We're done. We'll never talk about it again. Never Anyone? talk about it again. Um, and the only other note for this, out of 40 million, is <laughs> we also see that the author, who was the peddler is the one who he manipulated the story to um, uh, to make the Sorcerer's Apprentice do that. And he comes and he's really pissed off. He's like, why'd you make me do that? I didn't want to do it. That was a horrible thing you made me do. I punish you into a book. And that's how he got into the book. He's just T-Swift. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. <laughs> I mean, I agree. And I will, uh, the one note I will add to that is, um, the wonderful wiki, highly recommend, wrote out the passage he was writing. And it's very pretty. Whoever wrote it, it's actually very beautiful. Like, it's, it's, it's a good story about, like, us, like. Snow and Charming, like dealing with the repercussions of what they've done. There's like a bluebird that she spots in a window. Like, it's actually very well written. I do recommend checking it out. I'm not going to read it all right now because it's too long. But that is what in my mind made me think, oh, he's manipulating them too because he's literally writing about what they're doing. But no, apparently just the one little passage where the Sorcerer's Apprentice gave the instructions and fulfilled them and saw them through was the only thing he had a hand in everything else was, was snow and charming just being dicks
1: yeah let's talk about their potential for energy or for but i keep saying potential for energy potential for dark <laughs> dark energy dark energy um yeah and i do i had to laugh like when they reveal that it's the author and he's like stooped over the book and he's like it's a better story i'm like this is like every shitty writer <laughs> ever like it had such a game of thrones vibe where it was just like we have to <laughs> What's the line from Game of Thrones? What does everyone say? We have to not defy expectations, but like subvert expectations. We're subverting expectations. Okay, you're the Red Wedding is subverting expectations because you think that the Starks are going to win, obviously. And then they're like, oh, by the way, everything that's been happening right now has led to this moment. After that, nothing made sense. You can't subvert expectations by defying logic. And in some cases, physics themselves. So, like, that's what that reminded me of. Was like, it's a better story if Janie loses her mind on the wall for no reason. They didn't ring <laughs> the bells c- enough. <laughs>
0: Murder, Janice. call it a song of ice and fire. Oh my god. Da-da, anyway, da-da. all right. Let's go ahead and head to the present. Uh, where we've got things that happen. They they happen, and we're going to talk about them. Uh, I'm already a glass and a half in so this is going to be very entertaining. Ta-da. Listen, I've already
1: I'm 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 prepared when you get to the the part where I'm going to pitch to you. Uh, my name is Earl, but with Rumple. So, let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we start um kind of right where we left off. Uh, August is reminding the audience and everyone in the room that yes, the author is indeed trapped in the book. He is not trapped in the specific page in that but he kind of is. It's very unclear what exactly happened to him. It doesn't matter. He gets out by the end of the episode and runs away. And that's actually my favorite part of the episode, apart from Cruella, Queen Forever. Uh, but oh no, August is having some health issues because just all the magic is just wreaking havoc on that the, 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 the man form. So they take him to the fairies where he just rests and then he's better later. I didn't understand the need for any of this other than to get August out of the way. Well, and that's also like we
1: also keep Henry nearby, where it's just like you guys stay here. You guys, yeah. you Henry guys just stay keep over.
0: an eye on, keep an eye on him with the book, and uh, eventually you're gonna have to run when everyone goes to take a nap. And now well, everyone run- has a red room of fire. Oh, he is a runner boy. <laughs> He's a runner. He's a track star. Holy shit! Oh yeah. Uh, and and Regina's like, well, I got to bring something back to Rumple. He wants the page. Emma says, here, magic fake page. Do do because she's been practicing. How are we looking, Abby? We're good, we're, we're good? good. Okay, we've had a little momentary lapse. We're gonna keep rolling. We're gonna keep taping, because I don't want to edit this out. Or maybe I will, who knows. Anyway, so Emma has a magic piece of paper. That's not gonna cut it, That's, no. Instead, what's gonna cut it is Regina actually has a good plan, because Emma's full of bad plans right now and doesn't know how to do plans. Regina takes a picture of it, and I think this is a good plan, that said, if she's really trying to espionage, she should have tried to, like, go from an angle or, like, if she's, like, peering over Henry's shoulder. Like, she should have tried to angle it instead of being like, I had first-hand view right here. <laughs> you got you to think these through. I'm surprised she,
1: because of what happens next, but I'm surprised she didn't take a picture of the fake page. Because, again, this is, like, this is, I don't remember what year this is. Is this, like, 2011, 2012, something like that? These are still potato phones, okay? These The quality on these, not spectacular. Yeah. So taking a picture of the fake page would not have tipped them off that it was a fake page, and it would also not tip them off to the fact that it was a magic page.
0: That's actually a very good point, because she brings it back to Rumple, Maleficent, and Ursula, because, uh, sorry, Cr- Cruella, because Ursula has swum away with her father, the god of the sea, ne'er no to be seen deal. again. No big no- deal. NBD. And and Gold's like, no, this is perfect. It's it's a perfect perfect image that I needed to confirm the very most important thing. This is a magic page. That means he's inside the page. He's inside the book. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, can I just say, oh, my God, I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> they figure Give out. Rumpel some flaws. God damn.
1: They figure it out so fast. I do love Cruella, like queen of social media. Ugh. Who are you? Who are you, J.J. Abrams? Look at that lens flare. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's not a lens flare. It's magic. Eh, eh. It's like, Jesus. No less. Like, there's no reason you should have knowledge about paper doors. (laughs) Just. No.
0: Yeah, and there's no reason you should be able to decipher that from that. Because, yes, he is a powerful magic user. He is also from a magic forest of from the middle ages, essentially him being able to decipher like 21st century magic presentation does not seem like something he would be able to do. Especially because he was stuck in a town outside of time for decades.
1: Yeah. It doesn't make sense that he would know how a, how a magic door would present itself in, in a, on a digital format at all. Uh, because it's a flare that's not being captured on, like, cause this is this the part that gets me? Because they're talking about how it's a flare, uh, that, that would make more sense on a, on a paper picture. Like, if you were doing, like, a print on a roll, like, you would overexpose mm-hmm. it or something. But they're talking about a digital photo. So just, like, none of this makes sense. If he would have said pixels, I'd have lost
0: my mind. Like, I would have just, like, you can tell because of the pixels. <laughs> it's like, they're magic pixels, like pixies, but computer versions. Ugh, uh, it's it's just it's such a, it's such a mess. And like, I I hate this version of Rumple. I I I hate flawless Rumple, where he's just running everything. Nothing can get by him. He is a flawless human being. Or supernatural being. It's like right now I'm watching season four of Westworld, which is a far improvement over season three. If you gave up because of season three, I do not blame you. I think it's worth coming back, even though there's a steep learning curve because the show is way too convoluted for its own good. But in that, one of the characters, Bernard, he essentially got like thousands of years to study all the potential variables of humanity. So like he basically has the script in his head and predicts everything. Like, it feels like he got the episode scripts ahead of time and he's just conveying that. That feels like Rumple. He just know, He He's not ahead of every step because he's already there. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Because, like, we've talked
1: about before where it's just, like, my theory is that he just adapts when the, pl- the plans change. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is he has an answer for literally everything mm-hmm. and is always correct. Yep. He's never... Wrong. Sidebar. Is James Marsden still in Westworld or is
0: he gone? Uh okay, spoilers. Minor spoilers. Oh for I guess season that's fair. Four. That's fair. to spoiler. I apologize. <laughs> minor spoilers season four. Fast forward thirty seconds, if you don't want to hear it. It's a minor. So in season two, he he left this world, and in season three, he was given. Uh, he was given a second, like, he basically was sent to, to robot heaven, to okay. Post heaven. Okay. That said, in season four, and this happens very early, we're already several episodes in, this happens episode two, we, no, episode one, we see him in, uh, the modern world. Okay. And he plays a part, we don't quite know what it is yet. Got it. Okay, done. Moved on. Boom. So yes, if you're, if you're, if you're, you're hunky for the James Marsden, which I do not blame you. Who I am isn't? as well. Who isn't? Yeah. Literally everybody is, and if not, they should be. I'm gonna go rewatch Enchanted. Oh my god, Giselle, and, I, <laughs> he, just, and he grab when he puts his fist in his mouth because of the <laughs> j- pure joy. Probably one of the top twenty cinematic moments in all. That's of history. a good
1: decompress for this episode. If you watch this episode and you're you're being held down by unbridled rage like Beth and I, uh, Enchanted would be a very good detox. But
0: see, that's also like a fantasy thing about like subverting fantasy. So that's just going to remind me of what Once Upon a Time is doing wrong. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I mean, I need Breath to be free. I'm going to put on RuPaul's Drag Race. It's the only way I can be free. <laughs> um. All right. So anyway, uh, Regina takes the photo back to her, the crew. And she spends the whole episode on edge that she's going to be found out. Which begs the question, now that they know Rumple's true plan, because Hook tells them, why is she still with them? Why is she still undercover? They know the plan. He needs the page. He needs the book. Get, oh, you're, you're, you got made, girl. Go away. Hide with Henry in the book. Put it in your vault. Put a big spell around it so no one can get in. Ta-da. She, there's no reason for her to be undercover anymore. Am I am I
1: crazy and thinking Make- that? So put a blood curse and then like a third sister will come out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the third charmed like, one no, will I've just No, I've got Selena's dirt <laughs> and I'm going to throw it at the lock and it's going to turn <laughs> into blood and then it's going to open. Oh, uh, yeah. I have no, it all figured right. out There's, at Rumple?
1: None of, none of this, none of her plans, because again, they they buy themselves with Every bit of subterfuge Regina does. She's so bad at this, by the way. But her hair does look phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I'm very jealous of her hair. Uh, it's got oh so much God. body and it moves so wonderfully. She is a hero. Only hero- heroes have hair that moves that flawlessly. And they they slow rumple down for five, six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, Okay like he don't know where the key is why are we giving it wait just give him the page who gives a shit like i just this is all bad it's all bad
0: and also you know, they, well, like, at the time they don't know that the key is what opens the door i guess that's fair like, I'd also, and, like
1: i also like i'm just gonna say i also hate that they're like shitting on ursula's like you don't care that she's gone because you just want mean
0: it's like she just left why are we doing this and also, where are you saying you don't need Ursula? Who else is gonna reach out and grab the page from Henry? She's got the long tentacles. That's what she's she was there for in the first place. And who's gonna That's knock Ursula's out? job. Now Who you don't have, have them that. out With
1: the puppy breath, like come on, the,
0: everyone's got an important part to play. <sighs> Ursula was a key part of the process. But Damn it, off, Justice. She's, for she's Ursula. off mending
1: her her relationship with her dad,
0: a god, her <laughs> terrible father. Her her God's awful father. Okay, anyway, so they head over to uh, the house to find the book. But, of course, it is near to be found. Henry's not there to be found. Everyone turns suspiciously to Regina again. She's like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. And uh, Maleficent has put everyone under a sleeping curse. Everyone's taking a nice nap. Everyone's going to now live in the Red Room of Fire in their dreams for all eternity. Great for them. But it doesn't affect you if you've already been under a sleeping curse. (gasps) Oh no. So Aurora's running around with her baby being like, What the hell? Oh my god, what it
1: it It always reminds me of one of my favorite jokes about was just like who wants to read the other books written by the kids at Hogwarts while the Harry Potter stuff was happening. Just being like, that dumbass kid opened the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Yet another ru- school to your ruin by Harry Potter. Uh, same thing. Just like Aurora's like, what the hell did the Charmings do now? I'm just going to go. like She's got like a panic room that she's probably in that is constantly stocked. Everyone in Storybrooke has to have a basement that is fully just like bomb proof. And it's just full of all their rations. Just like anytime, any something bad's gonna happen.
0: Goddamn, Charming! Um, oh, and also, I, I presume the horse that Regina put to sleep is also just trotting around, the endlessly dead, <laughs> like the endlessly
1: aged horse is just like just I'm chilling, just having a great still time. Joking.
0: Uh, but yeah, so Snow and Charming are awake because they have previously been under a sleeping curse, so they are immune to Maleficent's spell. And they just sneak around and make terrible decisions. And while narrating?
1: While I narrating,
0: narrating. they're terrible decisions. Oh my God. I wanted to throw things at I other things. I just, I love
1: they would like peek their head around the corner and it was always just like really sitcom-y looking where they'd be like, whoop, whoop. Do you think we should tell Emma? No, we can't tell Emma or she'll go evil. That's right, babe. Awesome story. And they do that for 20 minutes.
0: (laughs) Until they finally tell Emma. And understandably, she's super pissed because of course she is. Not only is it better for the narrative for her to be pissed and inconsolable, but her parents 100% deserve that based on their actions. I'm just saying. Parents did a bad, you don't deserve forgiveness right away, it's gonna take time. Wait, Beth, she is her mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we're not even there yet. Abby, we have been talking for 45 minutes. And we're like barely that's, through this episode. I don't know what to do with myself. That's
1: honestly less than I thought we'd been talking. So frankly, we're doing
0: great. <laughs> yes, we, you know what? Good. Good for us. We are, we are champions. All right, so they're sneaking, sneaking, and they get a call from Henry. Henry bolted like a track star. Just gold medal for Henry. He, he bolted right to the sorcerer's uh, mansion and hid in the panic room in the sorcerer's mansion. He's like, it's cool. I've got the book. I've got the page. I'm hiding. And the page is uh, doing some Harry Potter magic at me. Uh, I'm about to uh, go into the past and see a child get murdered. Oh, actually, that's what happened! Hooray! <laughs> well, actually, no, it didn't get murdered. It just emotionally died. Emotionally, just died. emotional death.
1: Ugh.
0: Um, yeah, the page uh guides Henry to the key to open it, which is our first hint that Henry has a bigger connection to this than we originally might know.
1: <laughs> I just, I like the idea that it's the author behind the doors. I'm like, hey, hey
0: kid. Hey kid. Hey kid. Let, let me out. Yeah. Hey
1: it's it's like it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm not in here. It's an accident. I, I'm not supposed to be in here. They made they another guy. So you get the key. That'd be great. I have to pee actually. Like if we can, I just, can you let me out? Like <laughs> I'm not actually the author. I'm actually uh, the drive-thru attendant. They got the wrong
0: guy. <laughs> I'm just an honest laborer. It's fine. <laughs> so what are your thoughts about the door actually being in the book? Cause I, I will say like out of all the stupid things in this episode that was one I actually really liked. I think it's cute. I think it's a it's a good.
1: Uh, first of all, it's an amazing prison for an author. Yeah. Uh, just like trap you in the book because it like he makes a comment like spoilers. He makes a comment when he gets out. He's like it was really cramped in there. That he's not having a good time in the book. It's not like he's like in the book, but like in the pictures. Like we just keep bringing up Harry Potter, but it's not like he's like in the background of all these pictures. Like help yeah, me. It's just like he is cramped in this book on a page and it's not fun for him. I like that. That's that's fun magic because that is, hey, how are we going to punish this dude who writes shitty stories? We're going to put
0: him in the book. He wanted to write this book. He's in the book. The only question I have, and I'm sure they're going to address it. So I'm just putting it out there to the universe because it's not making sense right now. Is if he's trapped in the book. How did we get more stories? Because the storybook wrote all the way through the curse. And he got trapped in the book before the curse listen, hit. Listen, they,
1: they screw this up from the start because I'm so confused because they only name drop one other author. Walt. Because they're doing a fun Disney thing. I thought they were going to say Shakespeare? Like they kind of start hinting like they're going to. And then he's like, you know, other authors, like guys named Walt. Okay. So that's supposed to be Walt Disney. Okay. Well, if Walt Disney is, if Walt Disney is an author, when did his stewardship start? When did he pick up the pen? Did he pick up the pen after this? Because Emma was born in 1983. So Walt Disney fully employed at this point as Disney guy. So, 1982 is when this whole egg switcheroo thing happens. So, like, they trapped the last author, but, like... When did Walt Disney die? Like, I, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's cute what they did, but this doesn't make sense. Are there multiple authors working at the same time and they had to kill Walt Disney? Are they implying that they killed Walt Disney,
0: that he's also stuck in a book somewhere? (laughs) I I feel like the most logical answer is there has to be multiple authors, because I think that's the only way you explain um, different cultures having different stories, because otherwise you're having a very Eurocentric view of who tells all the stories And when you have stories like Mulan and everything, you have to have other cultures being represented. So I feel like that's kind of what we're supposed to be getting. But I do feel like it's very ironic that they mention Walt. I understand why. It's Disney, blah, blah, blah. But Walt Disney was very famous for taking well-established fairy tales and just co-opting them and making money off of them like he barely made an original idea and all he wanted to do was just have epcot and epcot sucks excuse me epcot has food (laughs) epcot does have wine (laughs) epcot has food
1: epcot has wine they do a food and wine run three things that i enjoy uh but listen that's great i love that idea and i do like the idea of multicultural authors in order to uh categorize and, and 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 compulate everything. Uh, I do like the idea of them sending someone to dispatch Walt Disney.
0: (laughs) So maybe they can be both things. I mean, everyone assumes it's a frozen head, but maybe it's a frozen book. But you know what? To be fair,
1: (laughs) he trapped the author in the book as a punishment. Maybe Walt's punishment is to be a Futurama head. Like, Whatever he did, put him there. Anyway... So, uh Regina, by the way, displaying much more motherly protection over Henry than Maleficent did when her egg was being stolen.
0: What had hat gave the look? She she came to yeah. So Henry's hiding. Let's go back to the plot. I'm sorry. I was, I was no, we, we, we derailed so Someone we're derailing so much because we don't want to talk about this story. Uh, Henry's hiding, uh, Regina comes, flagged by Maleficent and Cruella, who were supposed to just like shadow her, but immediately we're just like, no, we're coming with you, and we're being girl power team. And Regina is like giving Henry looks, being like, it's our espionage, it's, it's Operation Mongoose, just go with it. We do hear his full name. I don't recall hearing it before that his middle name is Daniel. He <gasps> was really sweet. I got it Got that. It got me. It, it took me back. It took me out of the moment for a second. It took me out of my anger. It's like, that's nice. It's just like, it's like you're in
1: the rainstorm, but then like a little bit of sunlight. Just be like, don't worry. It's going to be over soon. Yay. Uh, yeah, no, this was, I, I guess I don't remember either because I had the same like beat of being like, who the hell is Daniel? Aw. Like, it was just like, <laughs> it took me a second to clear my head. Uh, But again, Regina's, like, Lana's face acting, I just assume that no one's looking directly at her except Henry. Because it's just like, Henry,
0: give me the page. Wink. Wink.
1: Wink. 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 (laughs) Wink. (laughs) Wink.
0: Yeah, it was, yeah, no, it it was definitely clear that the women were behind her. Because otherwise this would not have worked because she was not being clever in the espionage. But she was doing what needed to be done. So yes, so Henry reluctantly gives her the fake page and she gives it over to uh, Maleficent and Cruella and they all head on their way. And meanwhile, David and Mary Margaret are over yelling at each other along the way, being like, we have to burn the page and do another unforgivable thing and murder this author so that none of our secrets get out. (laughs) It's so bad! (laughs) We're heroes, but the
1: next part of our big heroic plan is fully murdering a guy and dooming him to an eternity trapped in a little box, while also taking away the happy endings of several people, perhaps even our own. We don't know. We don't know what that will do. We know he's the author and we're going to murder him. And they're just like, yeah, this is a great plan. I like that when one of them waffles, the other one is just like... Uh, but remember, heroes. Ah, you're right. Eh. And then they're back on track. They just fumble through it to the point where they eventually get to a fireplace, and they're still arguing about it. 20 minutes of them doing this.
0: Yeah. and minutes. and And the conclusion that they eventually come to is, uh, oh no, consequence of our actions. And they tell Emma, and Emma gives the line from the beginning of the episode saying she doesn't care about her. But I'm your mother! I don't uh, care. Uh, Goodbye. It's such a stupid line.
1: It's like, it reminded me like, not reminded me, but it, it has like that feeling, just like a feeling I never want to feel. My son needs to stop aging. Is being like an adult mother and just realizing that you don't have power, that the power you have as an adult parent is cultivated from your years before. And if you don't have that, which Snow does not have with Emma, She only has these last, like, how long has it been in story? Like, a couple of years, maybe? That's not enough to be able to, like, slam the door in front of Emma before she leaves and be like, I'm your mother. Not a card you have, Snow. It is not a card you have.
0: Especially not right now. Especially not right now. And especially because during the entire scene, and the entire conversation, we never hear them say, I'm sorry. No, of course not. Why would we, why would they say that? they're heroes heroes don't apologize (laughs) they've done nothing wrong they're heroes i i I
1: don't know if this is going to be weird to say but like the way they do emma's makeup for her being miserable like she just goes from like she hears that story and suddenly she's got red under her eyes she looks like she's been crying but not a single drop has spilled she looks torn apart
0: she looks amazing. Like she looks good in like a weird grungy way? Does that make sense? It does. It it was it was uncomfortable after a while because the entire rest of the episode it looks like they were just putting visine in her eyes before every single scene like really like the medical stuff. Yeah. To like really clear out just all the allergies because it just made her eyes so puffy and so full it almost looked like there was, like, a layer of film over her eyeballs for the rest of the episode. Yeah, and this is supposed to be,
1: like, the, hey, she's starting to look a little dark, Anakin Skywalker here. She's starting to look like she's about to head off to the Jedi Temple. Like, someone should stop her. Someone should not let her be alone with the Emperor. And it's just, like, I like it, but again, it's just one of those, it's just hearing one lie from your parents throws you into darkness. I think we, again, we there should be a line out the door. To Hopper's office at all times at all times
0: well let's go ahead and just try and wrap up everything because I'm so I'm just oh, done talking wait about we have this to shit. talk no. about
1: Rumple's weird
0: confession well, no that's where ben. I'm going to okay that's where I'm I just going want to, to. make sure we don't skip that part because it's no. hilarious I'm 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 just I'm just moving on we're moving through we are we're running like Henry <laughs> To get to the sorcerer's house so we can take a nap. Uh, yeah. So gold, like he's like he's got business to attend to, while Regina goes to get the page, and his business is grabbing Belle, who's been knocked out, taking her to a couch in his his pawn shop. I'm guessing she was chilling in bed with with her boyfriend. He's like, no, I need you alone, unconscious, so I can uh, spill my beans No, she was fully on the floor. <laughs>
1: Oh, she was. When she wa- he walks in, he just sees her like stiletto heel from underneath, oh, like I didn't under the counter. That. So he like picks her up and like puts her on the thing.
0: Will Scarlet was behind her.
1: Yeah, I know. That's what I was. I was like, "This is the part where he kills Will Scarlet." <laughs> just,
0: like- and yeah, he just like has he does that thing he's done before, where he gives like a confession while she cannot respond or engage or challenge him in any way, because that's the only way he can actually be a person. As if she is in no position to challenge it in any way. He
1: even says it at the beginning. This is the part where I just like checked out mentally for a second. Because I was like, you know what? Hey, it's a Bell and Rumpel scene that's not going to make me angrier in this whole episode. And then it still somehow did. (laughs) Because he was just like, I need to tell you this now. It's very important that I tell you this now. Rumpel, she is unconscious. Like, you cannot
0: give confession to an unconscious person at all she's not gonna absorb it like osmosis this isn't like photosynthesis of truth like like you can't like tell somebody in their sleep about something and then when they wake
1: up you're like i told you i cheated on you i don't know why you're mad about it it's not my fault you were asleep
0: yeah he's so he tells her that he's looking for the author uh because he Wants to rid the world of evil and make it safe, but it's too late for him because he's racked up this debt he can never repay because all magic comes at a price. He does this weird thing where he's, like, rubbing, like, his, he's, like, pointing to his heart, like, giving us this, like, is he about... (laughs) So, random thought. When I was in first grade, sometimes when you're a kid, like, people tell you, like, really bad stuff, like, really stupid shit Uh to, like, tell you to behave. Uh Uh-huh. When I was in first grade, I distinctly remember my teacher once telling us, either or that or like a nutrition person, being like, every grain of salt that you eat uh goes straight down your, soft, your straight down your throat and sticks to your heart. And if you get a film that's thick enough, that's how you have a heart attack. So I, I was f-
1: terrified of salt for years. I swear to God, any any woman born in the 80s did not have a healthy relationship with food. Nope. At all. No. At all. And then we just sat there and watched be like, Britney Spears is over a hundred pounds. Look at that. Sh-. So wh- what's happening? But that's hysterical. Cause I could tell you a thousand things of just like, I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before, but my mom one time, like I was trying out for cheerleading in like middle school and I'm not flexible. I've never been flexible. I've never mm-hmm. pretended to be, I cannot. They were trying to convince, like get me to do the splits. And if, this is so off topic, but if you like can do the splits, you can't coach someone into doing the splits because you've no. always been able to do it. So it's like, they didn't know what to do. So my mom is showing me all these stretches she did when she was a cheerleader, you know, in the 80s. And she goes, yeah, we would stretch like this. And they basically made the little V on the ground. And she goes, we would touch this toe, the middle and the next toe and go the back. And she's like, we had a little song we sang. <laughs> Please brace yourselves. It was, oh no. What was it? It was like cookies cake apple pie this is why we have fat thighs <gasps> my mom told me that at a very formative age oh my god and now i told her this like years later i was just like hey you know that like that uh, weird thing you know what's really funny now is it like my favorite phrase that like has come up this is like thick thighs save lives because like being a little bit thicker is like a little bit it's a good thing now. And she's like, I don't believe it. Like she's still like a little hung up in some of that stuff. And I'm just like, I Gotta get you through it. I gotta get you through it. Like you have a very unhealthy relationship with food. And it's just, yeah. Anyway. Way off topic, but all of our generation yeah. just a really bad relationship with just food. so bad.
0: And, but I just like I imagine like Rumple's heart, like every little moment of darkness is just like that little grain that just goes down his throat and sticks to his heart, and so now he's like about to have that that magic heart attack.
1: I'm actually he's imagining just- it was like goodness, like he's confessing and he's saying like good stuff. He's like, oh god
0: oh i'm so sorry oh i'm apologizing oh i just feel like it was too overt like they even like zoom in a little bit on him rubbing like the thing on his heart or his chest or something like i feel like they're like being like he's shit's about to go down with the rumple and he knows it maybe like when he used his knife to attack pan maybe that fucked up his body i don't know but like the, this this felt very, co- like, very, like, not so subtle. No. Sh- something's happening with, with the I, Rumpel. I thought he was so- about
1: to admit that he had, like, an incurable tumor or something. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, magic comes with a price and it's this. It's a magic tumor. It's a magic, tumor. It's, it's not a magic a headache. tumor. it's a headache, not a tumor. I do like, and this is what I said at the beginning of the episode. He was like, I've accrued so much debt that I can never repay. And I'm just imagining like this. My name is Earl Uh, style show where he's just like okay so i turned your parents into puppets i need to redeem myself and to cross you off my list or i'm gonna die of a magical tumor um yeah that's that rumble's gonna
0: show up and break your legs because he used to be a mob boss in like the first season i just
1: like it it does kind of answer the question because they always talk about how magic comes with a price but for like three full seasons we've just seen rumple do magic at no personal cost um so that kind of answers it that he's like accruing debt with who's this person who's this person with an abacus being like rumple you done too much i'm coming for you i'm gonna slash all your tires i'm gonna take one of your legs
0: i'm gonna just I your I, I, pawn down something tells me that's somebody with a little bit of a, a blue fire uh top of their head kind of who's best friends with, with poseidon who never comes back again anyway all right so that's what gold is up to he leaves he joins up with the friends and he's like oh no you tricked me regina i finally found you out let's bring her to the vault uh i'm gonna hypnotize her or something like when she wakes up she's gonna want to be my servant forever somehow whoever
1: i don't think it was lana that did it but if it was lana's like or a stunt double or whatever hit the ground so hard <laughs> when they were like "Ha, you're asleep now i mean just boom hit the ground and it's a person it's not like a prop or anything it landed in a very natural way but it was just like that person committed <laughs> committed to that and i just i want that person to know that i saw it i see you recognize it. it was amazing
0: the fact that we do not have best stunts at the oscars or the emmys is a crime they and i will say that should. till the day i die they, if they don't add it yeah some people are the best some people are the best some people go through so much and they do incredible feats incredible work
1: and i don't even know i'm just gonna assume not paid enough let's pay them more money
0: yeah like the fact that we like give like best actor and like a bit basically a cameo for a someone who's been in the industry for forty years, they're like, well, "Here's your cameo award," but not for stunts is a crime. And
1: it's always funny when you have like the actors who were just like, "Well, I did my own stunt," like not not like Tom Cruise or anything, but like when I know specifically, I've been watching Star Wars, is why it's on my brain. Uh, Hayden Christensen, they were just like, "You don't actually have to be here," <laughs> like we'll just. He's like, "No, I'm Darth Vader." you put the mask on me. So it's him (laughs) in all those scenes. He's like, hell no, I'm Darth Vader. You're taking my voice and giving it to James Earl Jones. I will be Anakin Skywalker. I I will be Darth Vader. And I'm like, you know what? Respect. I respect that hustle.
0: That's, that's how, that's how you do it. And that's how you get more, get, get, get that money, get paid. All right. Anyway. So as they're chilling in Maleficent's vault, ready for the next stage of their grand plan, Maleficent finally comes to Rumpel and is like, you gotta, you gotta tell me what happened to my baby, please. And Rumpel is initially saying no because she, he's like, You don't wanna know. Rumpel, that's not your choice to make. And if somebody, if you went to somebody and were like, tell me what happened to Balefire, and they said, no, you don't want to know, you would have murdered them on the spot. Correct. You don't get that right. You don't, and, and eventually he does tell her, but the fact that he was like, you don't want to know? I, I shouldn't tell you? Like, screw that. No. I hate that. Yeah. I hate Throw it. Throw it in the fire.
1: That said, this scene... I, I mean, again, I was hate raging through this whole episode. Still. A couple of tears. Oh my. Maybe God. I was just exhausted, but it was just
0: one of those, this is nice. <laughs> Did they trick me? Was it really a nice scene? I mean, at least she knows her daughter is okay. And it turns out her daughter, surprise, no surprise, is Lily... Uh, the young woman who Emma befriended uh, back in the past when she was on the run. We're not surprised. Clearly she was playing a part. Emma obviously alluded to it this episode because she had this conversation with Hook where Hook was getting weirdly jealous of August. And she's like, no, he's my friend. And she doesn't say he's her friend because he literally came in the wardrobe with me and looked after me when I was a baby and then abandoned me so we have this weird bond. It's no... He was the only friend I had after this other woman, I young woman I met for a night, and we had a great time. And she betrayed me. Well, her name was Lily. Just I remember that for no I, reason. I have to wonder.
1: I, I they don't tackle a lot of the storyline still. I just I feel like they had so much more because they also made the very distinct choice to make sure that we knew that this child's name was not Lillian. His child's name is Lilith, which is a choice. It is. So I'm wondering if there was more for this that just did not fit season five.
0: I don't remember. I believe that they bring Lilith in. I so you you thinking maybe Lilith was supposed to be like, but evil like I think there something? was going to be like,
1: you've now introduced something else, but then they changed course and that you can't. Maybe it's a learning from the Frozen thing. We're not going to balance a whole bunch of plates spinning them, so we're not going to do Dark Emma and Lily coming back and being an evil whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there was something else. But then, like, Maleficent also just completely drops off after this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily... I think it was just a reference to, like, oh, we're supposed to think she's evil, and, like, there's a weird morality thing there. Mm -hmm. And I also want to point out that I have a niece named Lilith. Like, Lilith is a very beautiful name. Oh, no, it no. Doesn't listen, listen, no it doesn't necessarily mean you're evil. <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm not I, it's saying so that ever, you're, it, your Well, it is, is like, in in older scripture, Lilith was the first wife of Adam, and she was cast out for speaking her mind, basically. And that is some interpretation in, I believe, uh, certain Hebrew texts yes. uh, of the Old Testament. So I think... I feel like that's what they were referencing, that she was kind of like the prodigal daughter. She was like the first one. And then Emma comes, like Emma's the savior who comes after Emma, Eve, that whole thing. It feels like the writers thought they were being clever and they weren't. And I I don't know if it necessarily is pointing to anything deeper, but if it was, we certainly didn't get it. Okay,
1: that's fair. I mean, just to be clear, don't i met your niece she's delightful i don't think she is evil i just think (laughs) narratively like they were just like he's like lilith and i'm like okay it just it it's a name that kind of comes preloaded with some it does uh, so that's that's just where i'm at like again it's a beautiful name it's a beautiful story everything that comes with it i understand that it's misunderstood i sorry i feel like i I mean like lilith
0: like Madam Satan in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was Lilith. Like Lilith right. is also in some, in some interpretations, the, the bride of Satan. Like there, there, there's that name has layers and it's complicated <laughs> and they just used it in my opinion and didn't okay. really quite, in my opinion, Okay, they just used it and didn't quite understand the layers that it comes with. I don't know. But in any case, it doesn't matter, because I think people were most excited about Dark Emma, Dark Swan, and that's what we ended up going with anyway. And you and I were excited, so like, it makes I mean, sense. we're
1: not wrong, but I think if we go back and listen to the tapes, check the tapes, I think we're also very disappointed at the lack of Lily. Uh, because again, we were obsessed with Baby Dragon stuff. It was just like, again, where, where's Baby Neil in this whole thing? Is he asleep? Was he under the sleeping curse? What's going on? Who's
0: watching the baby? Oh my God. Like I Okay. So to, to answer, this is gonna be like a two hour episode. I swear. I had a dream last night where in the dream, my husband and I were out with some friends and then we realized, oh my God, it's almost 9 PM. We need to go back home to the baby because <laughs> the baby was just home alone. We didn't have a babysitter. We just left the baby like it was a cat. Abby, when I tell you, in my dream, I was so upset at myself, I rewrote the dream in my mind to be like, no, the baby was with us the whole time. And I literally rewrote the dream as I was dreaming it because I felt so bad (laughs) about not having my baby with me.
1: Oh, the mother guilt. It gets us to the weirdest places. Uh, I have a similar uh, dream, except it's 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 with gluten. I'm always worried that I'm just like, oh look a donut. Oh my god, I have celiac. What have I done? Uh, but it's just like, yeah. Oh no, I have a baby and I've left them at home. Um, I, I'm just gonna take this moment to point out any of those people that left like really nasty reviews on our podcast about how we get off off topic too much. If they're still hate listening, they are pissed about this episode. <laughs>
0: Has that happened recently? It I hasn't th- happened
1: recently. Uh, that it was, was like, just a one long time those, like, ago. I read that review and it just sticks in my crop. Like it's just one of those things that just like. hmm. Oh, like, I just I just I learned know. to
0: like just wave those off in the wind.
1: Oh no, and I do. It just it makes me laugh. Where I'm just like, boy, if that if these people don't like us going off topic, I sure hope they stop listening in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but but I knew I, I knew worse? that was gonna happen
0: with this episode because we just don't want to talk about this episode. Let's yeah. let's finish let's finish up. Okay. All right, so we have the reveal. Lily, Lilith, is the the dragon baby, the baby dragon. Oh, no. How are we going to get her back? Well, we're going to get her back in, like, an episode, and that's just going to be it. Very, very lackluster. Just spoilers, FYI. Emma is mad. Hook chases after her and is like, I just want to let you know August is fine. There we go. He's trying to show that he doesn't
1: care, but he clearly does care uh but i mean like i get it
0: like no i get, this is this is supportive boyfriend when he like his instinct is to not be supportive but he's overcoming it you gotta give hook props for that i know you're mad at your parents but i'm just
1: letting them let you know that the two honky boys in your life think you're doing great <laughs> you're doing amazing sweetie uh I do like where he's like, oh, why did they send you? Because I wouldn't listen to them. Yeah. That's exactly why they sent me Emma. Um, yes.
0: <laughs> and they head back to August and, um, and August tells them about the multiple authors that have existed throughout time. And this is just the current author. He was using his power for evil. Unlike any other author, no, <laughs> no other, other author before this. him did They're this. Also pure. They're also pure of heart. Like, well, disney (laughs) yeah so pure so pure let's let's just pause for a second and recognize that walt disney was a problematic person yeah you're allowed to you're you're allowed
1: to to enjoy disney but just you have to know you've gotta gotta know
0: anyway yeah yeah, there's 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 reasons why many of the older movies have to have that uh, explanation at the front about why it's bad. Oh God, we we love a content warning. Also, <laughs> just speaking
1: of like weird problematic things, have you have you seen any of those news stories about like um, Splash Mountain? They just keep having the canoes sink. Like Splash Mountain is shutting itself down. <laughs> it's like is this has gone on too long. It's it needs to be Princess its, and the Frog. It's- Smash Mountain is canceling itself. It's pulling a Jenna Marbles and just being like, "We're done. We're done. I'm closing <laughs> shop. I'm so sorry. We're done." All
0: right. Well, August uh, says, "Okay, let's go ahead and uh, get the author out of the book." Uh, Mar- Mary Margaret and David still don't want to do it, but it's gonna happen. Emma's gonna make it happen because she just she's just so checked out from all her parents' bullshit. One note I forgot to mention way back in the beginning was the first time that Mary, Margaret, and David were, like, hatching their scheme to, like, do shit on their own, they did the world's worst stage whispering when Emma was, like, three feet next to them being like, if Emma knows what we did, she'll never forgive us. Let's get out of here and go do some more shady shit so she won't find out about the shady shit we did. And Emma's, like, right there! I'm surprised they didn't sneak out, like, a Sims
1: burglar. (laughs) No, they're just... And also, when Emma shows up in August's room, she like comes around. She's like, "Hey!" And Snow reads that as excitement to see her. <laughs> she's like, "Emma!" And it was like, "Oh, you're you. here." I will ignore you. I Ice Queen through and through. I love this. She's like, mm, "I'm here talking to you." Look, August. Okay i love emma she's a queen she's wonderful when she shows august the page and the key she shows him in the most unhinged way possible (laughs) like the way she's holding everything is insane like i don't know if you noticed it but it's like she's holding the key like this like like her hand is turned out and she's like holding the page weird like it's not natural it's a hey cheat more to the camera more to the camera more to the camera to the point where she was like contorted
0: like it's it's the page and key equivalent of when there's a pregnant character on a show and they have them hold the weird their belly in like a way where it shows the belly to the full accentuation on the top and bottom like it's a globe I tried
1: that when I was pregnant. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel right. It's weird. Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, pregnant women
0: stand like this. No, they don't. They it do don't not. look. It does not look good either. Just, no. 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 Oh, I'm cradling my child against the weight of the world. Well, not until Snow and Charming throw it down a portal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just for two people that had someone show up to their wedding and curse them, they sure did just walk into a castle and just just go nuts. Like, it's a Harvey Dent. Like, you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Like, you just uno-reversed this whole story. What are you doing, guys?
0: Yeah. No, when, when we have the, uh, the, the Wish Realm or, like, alt-reality episodes, which I'm still very much looking forward to, and we get Evil Snow and Evil Charming and Evil Snow's in her, like, hot, all-black outfit, and I'm like, I can't wait. I'm like, just stay like that. That's who you are now.
1: I, I do, like, I wish they would have gone to a more morally gray thing where it's just like, oh, by the way, these guys not heroes. They're just kind of,
0: kind of, they kind of suck. Because well, that that's- was the whole point of season two, is that the whole heroes and villains thing is a myth put upon them in these stories, and that they're much more complex than that. In season one, Snow and Charming are having an extramarital affair. That was the whole point of the show was the moral ambiguity behind characters that we normally see in black and white, but they just don't know how to continue that. And so they just go back to these weird stereotypes so that they can challenge them. I
1: huh? now I'm sorry. I'm just now, now thinking of this because I don't remember how the author stuff. I remember what the author does. This is why he got banished. He does weird stuff like this. We get the storylines of how he did these things. But the first season is like these are people who are fundamentally coded to be good. And Regina puts a curse upon them to basically rewrite their stories to make them bad and then they are <laughs> they suck. Um <laughs> they're just they're not great people. They do bad things because they're selfish. Snow and Charming are just two selfish people. It's what it is. It's how they've always been. Whatever. I'm interested to see how that will go juxtaposed to an author. Like, it's the same kind of thing. Like, you're using magic to compel someone to do something that they're not naturally doing, because that's what season one was. They were compelled to live in this world and be a teacher and be a part and just be constantly being divided. How, how much different is that than what the author's doing? Is it a more powerful magic? Because the dark curse is being purported to be the curse, the curse of all curses.
0: Well, I think the whole point of the author is that you're not creating history. You're observing history. And I believe in the Cruella episode, we really explore that and kind of get a sense of the author's frustration with not being able to have a say in what happens and just having to record it for posterity. That's, Am I, I remember the Cruella episode being one of the best of the, one of my favorites of the show. So I'm curious to see that. Let's, Okay, Emma releases the author, it's the peddler dude, and he's like, I've got all the answers for you, and then runs away. It's it's great. I love this actor. Like, I'm so glad they got this actor. On one hand, I'm like, you int- like they only tease him in this episode. We only see him here. But I get it. He's probably an expensive actor to get because he's a bigger name. What's his what's his name again?
1: I was gonna say I felt like I recognized him, but I didn't do any of the legwork on that. But- yeah, uh, Patrick
0: Fischler. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, He's a big actor. He's in Black Dahlia, Ghost World, Mulholland Drive. Um, He's he's a really, like, he's a well-known actor who's done a lot of stuff, and he's great. So I get why they wouldn't really be able to book him until now. So I think that's why they get, like, the same episode reveal. Um, But I feel like as far as an actor to play this role, I don't think they could have done better. I think no. he's a great
1: choice. No, he definitely has that that face of like a dust jacket cover
0: where yes. it's just like,
1: here's this book you wrote that's a little bit out of there, out there, but like his face is in black and white on the back. Like I see it. I see him as the mm-hmm. author and being like a squirrely one too, where it's like, hey, doing the, doing the Stephanie Meyer thing where it's like, hey, I've given you these characters and I'm going to force them into this ending, even though everything about their characters would not put them here. And it's just like, ah, it's a better story. It's like, it's not. It's, it's not. not. You're just being weird. Uh, I can see it. I can see it. It's the perfect cast. I love this. Yes.
0: And everyone, that was season four, episode 17, Best Laid Plans. And Abby, we talked about this for an hour and a half. I
1: Listen. Well, we talked about anything
0: like- other than it for most of it
1: listen i well that's fair i think 30 minutes of it is tangents like this whole episode yeah. is just tangents because it's us just trying to cope mentally yep. uh honestly like again we've bagged on some episodes this was bad
0: this is mm-hmm. bad
1: top to bottom it it and again speaking of star wars it definitely has like a episode 8 vibe where it's like we're going to do a bunch of this stuff but then in episode 9 it doesn't matter anymore we're going to do something else because like it sometimes just feels like none of them are talking to each other in a way that's bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, here's what storylines you need to get us from point A to point B, but it's like, you guys should kind of wrap your head about around each character in a similar way, because we get a different snow and charming every couple
0: of episodes and I'm not caring for it. There's a difference between having them speak to each other and having them speak at each other. And this is an episode where they're speaking at each other because they're only speaking plot language. They're speaking the story. They are not speaking as people within the story. And that's where I think we really fall short, especially in this episode, is when people aren't really connecting because they're just moving the plot forward through their actions.
1: Yeah. And... They had to do certain things to make sure it fit within what was going on. So I think that's what they tried to like wall of text us with Mm -hmm. their conversations. Because both Josh Dallas and uh, Jennifer, no, not Morrison. What's Josh's name? Oh my God. Thank you. They are both good at doing silent acting, Mm -hmm. especially with each other. You don't have to force it this much. And the reason that they are is, I think that they thought that they weren't conveying their point, and they weren't. Not enough words could have gotten them to where they needed to be to make this make sense. Quite honestly, and it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad writing.
0: If you're gonna spend this much time leading to this plot reveal, I don't agree with it. I think it's a bad choice. But if you're going to spend this much time leading up to it, to the point where going into the episode, we very well understand the gist of what is about to happen to us and to the characters. Make it more about the emotional fallout. Don't make it them just yelling the plot at each other and then justifying their actions so that it can fit, squeeze nicely into the plot without us having to really think about what's going on under the surface.
1: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that, because to be fair, in all fairness, they were leading up to this, (laughs) and they were like, this is the worst thing we've ever done. And frankly, they were not wrong, Yep. because they've been wrong when they do stuff like this before, We'll be like, I can't believe we've done this, and it's like the most laissez-faire thing ever. This is, in fact, the worst thing that they've ever done, Uh, but it just, it was just so sloppy, especially Mm -hmm. where they put it in the timeline, how they explain it. I just, I don't think Snow and Charming, realistically, the characters that I know would have just been like, well, if we're cool about it later, we'll be fine. It's not a big deal. Let's not do anything to fix this problem. Both of them fix problems whether people want them to or not. Mm -hmm. Like, that's their entire character arc. There's no way they wouldn't have tried to find Maleficent's child because Snow made a promise. Mm-hmm. Snow would have died on that hill. She's like, I made a promise. I will do anything to find that child. And then I Alicia made a promise to, to ruin,
0: ruin that, to return that
1: ruined, damaged child. Yeah, right. Sorry, but I did bring her back. <laughs> I, I know we were just supposed to go up the street for some milk. It got a little carried away. She got a little banged up. She scraped her knees. I'm sorry. Got some neosporin. It's fine. Also, she's she she's probably evil. You're gonna really Ur. need. I got. I used some parenting books. This one's called The Wonder Weeks. It's going to change your life. Just,
0: just, it's going to be fine. It's fine. We brought her back. Okay. Go straight to the leap where her head is turning 360 degrees. and Just go from there.
1: This, yeah. Here's, here's a bunch of movies about what not to do uh, and what to do. Uh, and here's, could you imagine, I'm sorry, we're so off topic. Could you imagine Maleficent <laughs> being a gentle parenting uh, dragon? I hear you. I hear you. And I understand that you're, but we cannot burn everything down when we're mad. You no, know, can we? What's a more productive way of doing this? Good job, Lily. Would you like a hug? Would you like a hug? No, that's fine. How about we go do something else for a while,
0: just to take our brains out? There. Would you like a snack? We have a, we have a throw bucket for when Henry wants to throw his toys. <laughs> just imagine Lily just having her fire bucket. I want a throw bucket as an adult woman. <laughs> it's a good idea. Like I throw I throw toys into the bucket too, and it feels good. I recommend to throw a bucket. And just to bring it back to the
1: episode here, just as a person who's just like viscerally angry at something, uh, I do think that as adults, we should foster more like of our feral needs of just being like, you know, like when you get so mad, you need to scream into a pillow, take the pillow away. I should just be able to go out in my backyard and scream, (laughs) just scream into the void.
0: Yep. I mean, we all did that when the pandemic started. I feel like we were just like, all of us just let out that, that, that collective aggressive energy and Maleficent needs to do so. And she is fully justified. After this episode, season four, episode 17, Best Laid Plans, I am Team Maleficent. Burn the town down. No one deserves to make it out with their happiness and health and happy endings. Everyone should suffer, not die. Let's have them all live. Don't maim them or burn or, or hurt them. Just take away everything they love. Because just, that's what happened to her, and
1: she deserves her vengeance. They should just, like, casually walk into their homes and take things that
0: they love. She's like, oh, no, don't worry. I'm going to bring it back. Sick. <laughs> don't, don't, I'm going to return your laptop. It's only going to be slightly more evil. <laughs> yeah. Here,
1: here's your MacBook. It the now FBI gets, might and, be calling
0: you. <laughs>
1: yeah. We did a lot of really weird Google searches on here. Yeah. Not on safe mode. Uh, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> i took it i took it to defcon no seriously oh you remember that gun i needed to borrow i went to shooting practice but then i did have a bunch of people put their fingerprints all over it and then i shot a guy
0: it's great so here's
1: it back for you i sent the police over it's fine you're not gonna die but it's gonna get weird
0: <sighs> this was rough this was a rough episode i think this broke us back i think it broke us and i'm not surprised it was a long recording it was either gonna be really short or really long because there's just so much to it that, in my opinion, it was either going to be we rush through it so we can get on with our lives or we just go. And I'm not surprised we went because, oh my God, this is the worst thing the show has done. I don't know if it tops it. That's not to speak that the idea is inherently impossible to do. No.
1: Yeah. It's just they did it bad. Oh, it was handled poorly. Like, you can't do something like this and half-ass it. You have to whole-ass a plot like this.
0: Yeah, like, the leftovers, literally, like, the first opening scene is a woman, like, with her baby, like, just doing her normal shit. She puts the baby in the car, and then the baby's disappeared. And she's crying and inconsolable. Like, you can approach these very sad, hard things, like, losing a child. If you do it right, the show did it wrong.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we're taking Grimm's fairy tales. Like, a lot of these are, like, really screwed up. And you can do that in a way that makes sense. And this was, like, trying to, like, do Grimm's fairy tales and be like, we're going to do something dark and edgy. But, like, still hold on to our frozen viewership. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just... I can't imagine someone who showed up for Frozen sitting through this and being like, what is this? Because at this point, their names are just like, it's the way I've always felt about Brother Where Art Thou, where you're just like, you know, like, this is based on the Odyssey. They're so We took names, <laughs> like, kind of, if you squint your eyes a little bit. That's where we're getting with this, where it's just like, this just happens to be Snow White and this happens to be Charming. And we've put them in this very bizarre situation. And it doesn't even feel like fairy tale characters anymore. It just feels like a weird world that they built poorly because they were using fairy tale characters and previously established stories as their structure. And when you try to do something like that, that structure fails.
0: Yeah. Instead of having the author have a direct hand in this horrible tragedy, just have him be doing shenanigans like you don't have to have this horrible thing be a part of your story it would have the same impact if he was doing stupid shit in fact i think it would be more interesting because it's him like turning the story into his own little playground it's you know his own little west world if you so if you so choose
1: i would have been interested if the bad thing that he did was trying to stop them from doing this Not getting them to do it, like stopping them was the problem. Like, he's like, no, this is part of their story. The part of their story is them doing this irredeemable thing and still trying to be heroes. Like, that would have been like having someone else make someone else do something to foster this awful thing. You're right. It's like the, it's like that when you're talking about the tweet, it doesn't seem like it's on Snow and Charming. It feels like you're couching it and you're giving the problem to somebody else. But if the author's big, screw up was trying to stop them, but they still charged through and still vanished an egg. That had been compelling.
0: That's also kind of a commentary on the nature of gatekeeping and fandom where it's like, that's not what that character would do. And it's like, and, and so you have an author being like, no, I know these characters. I, I write these character stories out. That is not what snow and what snow and terming do this. No, they're not. I know them better than this. I create. I I record them. I'm going to fix this. That's a story you have seen before, and I agree. I think that would have been very interesting, but I don't. I still don't think they
1: would have done it well. This guy losing his mind. Like the author is just like accidentally writing fan fiction into the big book instead of writing it on his Ao3 account. <laughs> it's like, oh no! I wrote the hurt comfort story. Uh, I wrote it in the wrong <laughs> book. I can't erase it. And then One Direction shows up. this found family story got weird but hey Harry's here so
0: it's gonna be fine (laughs) alright guys well thank you for joining us for this wild episode of once upon a timing I feel Abby we have um, well stated our opinions my husband is giving me looks because we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes uh, he's shrugging and <laughs> heading down the stairs. I genuinely... I, I just want to close on just one thing. If you could describe this episode in one word, what would it be?
1: Oh, I mean, so the first word that came to my mind was unhinged, but I think that gives a delightful levity levity to it. I'm mm-hmm. just going to say like, what's like unhinged, like parentheses derogatory? Uh, Just... It's bad. I'm just gonna call it bad. It's just bad.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Do Mine you have a is, word? M- yeah, mine's failure. Ah, oh, that's a bigger, better. Word. <laughs> I mean, they're both. I mean, they're both accurate. They're it's both accurate, and it's accurate.
1: a failure. Uh, yeah. This is this is Abby and Beth being like you. No, no. Go sit down and think about what you've done. Uh, yeah. This was <sighs> there's well, been some like stinkers, but this was just.
0: This was not a fun stinker. It's not. No. Well, we want to thank all of you for sticking through this episode. We want to thank our wonderful patrons, especially our swan cream. Oh, my God. Guys, I'm like a third of a bottle of wine in. I'm just this is where I'm at now. This is my life. I'm going to go lie down and take a nap. I want to thank our swan queen patrons. Uh, This week's Patreon shout out of the week goes to Paul. Thank you, Paul. And thank you to everyone. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash Timing. you can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash timing. you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Spreaker or wherever you get your podcasts you can find us on Twitter I am at Beth Elderkin I am at just underscore Abby and we're going to be back next week with another zinger <laughs> Abby <laughs> it's a one two punch I don't think we're going to make it because this is season 4 episode 18 Heart of Gold featuring Robin Hood, Marion, and Zelina. Guys, next episode is
1: going to be three hours long. First of all, listen, just while the chaos is happening, if you made it this far, just props to you. You guys rule. (laughs) This is the most, you know what? I describe this episode of us doing it as unhinged. This is the unhinged episode.
0: I love you guys. Thanks for being here with us. Guys, thank you for joining us. And Abby, unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) we will see you next week. I'll see you next week, Beth.